everyone. Uh, my name is Borisav Gerasimov, and I'm the Communications and Advocacy Coordinator at the Global Alliance Against Trafficking Women. This year, GADWO is partnering with Sharmila Parmanan, PhD student in Gender Studies at the University of Cambridge, to hold a series of conversations um, around the implementation of the UN uh, Trafficking Protocol or the Palermo Protocol, which was adopted 20 years ago. So today we are joined by Nadia Kozuharova, who works at Animos Association Foundation slash Ostrada Bulgaria uh, in Bulgaria. Hi Nadia, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Hello. So thanks for joining us, Nadia. Um, maybe we can start off with you telling us about yourself and Animos. Uh, by profession, I'm psychologist. Uh, and actually I work as psychologist and psychotherapist uh, with the victims of violence and at the same time I am coordinating the anti-trafficking activities at the Animus Association. Uh, this is an organization which was uh, developed 25 years ago uh, and uh, I think my entire professional life <laughs> uh, is happening here since I am from the almost the very beginning uh, uh, of the organization. And um, I think very soon after we developed our organization, uh, we somehow was, um, we, we met the issue of trafficking in human beings and we started to work also in this field. Uh, our organization, the focus of our organization is the direct uh, support to the victims and we develop different kinds of services and programs. We have a helpline for victims of violence, which is a toll-free service for, for the country. We have a crisis center for uh, women victims of violence and their children. Uh, and we have a variety of, uh, 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 variety of services and programs for psychological and social support and empowerment of women. Also, currently, we are running the uh, social service of Sofia municipality, uh, which has two departments. One is for counseling uh, children and families, and the other is the so-called mother and baby unit, where uh, pregnant women or women with babies can stay for quite long, almost two years. Uh, so they can reach some safety and security in their life and uh, uh, in this way to prevent uh, abandoning the children. Also, we work in the field of prevention and uh, lobby and we do a lot of trainings with different professionals in the areas where we think are, we are competent and this is direct support to victims and uh, different ways to protect their rights. Thanks, Nadia. Um, so because we are, you know, um, because of the anniversary of the Palermo Protocol, we, we are interested in how uh, the dynamics of trafficking have changed. So can you uh, reflect on that? Um, you know, how has trafficking in Bulgaria changed in terms of recruitment methods or exploitation of um, Bulgarian, uh, Bulgarian, Bulgarians um, in, in the situations of trafficking in, in these past 20 years? 
Yeah, I can say that from one side there are big changes, from other side there are not changes <laughs> at all. But um, first, um, an important issue is that uh, meanwhile we became members of the of the EU and uh, also um, a lot of uh, legislation uh, which is developed. I mean, regional international legislation became. Uh, also uh, uh, part of our law. Uh, you know, uh, we ratified the uh, Convention Against Trafficking in Human Beings, and there is also the directive, uh, which uh, we are obliged to, to follow. Uh, but this is on the, on the level of, uh, of legislation. In general, I think trafficking has changed, or maybe we start learning more about trafficking the more we're working in the field. Because when we started, uh, we, uh, in, at the beginning of this century, we were thinking only as trafficking, as trafficking of women and not as uh, human beings at all. And uh, I can say uh, the protective system here is uh, mainly designed to protect women victims of trafficking and especially Bulgarian women who are returning from abroad. This is the largest group we are working for years because Bulgaria is uh, still uh, is one of the country that uh, is uh, Bulgaria is one of the major country of uh, origin for victims of violence and I think this hasn't changed <laughs> with the Palermo protocol so we were expecting to have uh, some changes uh, in the profile of the victims or the modus operandi uh, when uh, with the joining of the European Commission, but actually this uh, didn't happen. And one of the big lessons that we learned is uh, that there is always a possibility for exploitation. We know that uh, traffickers are very creative in following the rules. Uh, in the countries of destination and at the same time exploiting uh, the women. Uh, and we have seen this in, in many, many cases. From the point of view of the victims, I can say that not a lot has been changed. Uh, people are traveling abroad and they fall into the trap of trafficking in many different ways. Because uh, not... Uh, convention or protocol or directive will change uh, the picture the, uh, of trafficking, but basically uh, change in the uh, things that are causing trafficking. And I can say in this regard, nothing has, or there are not big changes here in Bulgaria, because, or even I can say that in some regards, as the situation is uh, even worsened because um, Bulgaria is still the uh, poorest country in Europe. <laughs> there is a huge labor migration from Bulgaria year after year, and this can't be stopped in no way. Uh, we were expecting serious investments uh, with joining uh, EU and creation of uh, new factory, new working places uh, in our country. Actually, this didn't happen. On the opposite, 
even more people are traveling abroad now because it's easier for them to do it because there is no visa they have the right to live and work everywhere in europe uh, our expectations that easy traveling will create less dependency from traffickers <laughs> actually didn't happen <laughs> okay there is less dependency but uh, this is making the life of traffickers easier <laughs> and not the situation of uh, uh, vulnerable people easier. Uh, so uh, we can say that, that most people are traveling abroad to Europe uh, to work in one or different way. They are even more aware that if they go abroad if they go abroad things will be not absolutely correct for them <laughs> that things will be not uh, uh, absolutely fine for them but they are ready to accept this um, bad circumstances because they compare it with their situation in bulgaria where they feel absolutely hopeless and without opportunities to gain enough income for their families. If you come here you will and you, you you ask people you will see that everyone has someone, friend, family member, relative who works abroad. And actually a lot of people are surviving here by their um, closest people uh, working abroad. And wherever you have a big migration flows, uh, you always have uh, trafficking like going next to this uh, migration flows. And for Bulgaria, this is the, the, labor, the labor migration. So now it's not very difficult to convince someone that uh, uh, there are better uh, conditions for work and uh, for gaining money abroad. So trafficking now, I think it's very, very easy. In Bulgaria. Uh, and the protocol didn't change this. And I think the protocol has not any influence <laughs> uh, on this. Maybe it gives, uh, um, it opens the door for more prevention, for more prosecution, for more protection. But this is like going one step after of what is, what is going on. At the same time, I can say that there are positive things, and the positive things is that after Bulgaria ratified also the protocol, all the anti-trafficking system here was developed. The legislation, the national commission, the specialized services, uh, a, lot of, a lot has been done. I can say that the uh, relevant institutions and uh, the main stakeholders governmental and from the civil society, they all know what is trafficking and what should be done and what is the role of every institution. Of course, this is, uh, I can say, a very positive effect on the protocol. Maybe I can also uh, answer this question from the point of view of protection of the victims. And I can say that here are also uh, positive and negative effects. I can, I remember that uh, before 
it was the protection of the victim was let's say very informal you just pick up the phone uh, our colleagues from Poland Netherlands or Germany are picking the phone and they are telling us we have a Bulgarian victim and she will be on the airport with this and this flight on this and this date and we just <laughs> went to the airport meet the girl and start working with her and yeah it was not easy to convince uh, different institutions and organizations that she is a victim and she, she needs to support this is true but now I can say the protection of the victim is getting more and more formalized <laughs> and this is not always good I can see that um, less victims are reaching us <laughs> uh, it is we we are now part of a more complicated network uh, in which a lot of institutions are involved institutions in the country of destination our institutions and this creates more administrative work and uh, you have to follow to follow different rules different criteria and i'm afraid that sometimes the victims are we are losing sometimes the victims uh, most of the victims now go through the governmental structures uh, and they go through the um, services that are created by the government and again from one side this is good because uh, more or less uh, animals model animals way of thinking was transferred to the government uh, because we are the creator of the national referral mechanism that now the government is um, the state is uh, coordinating with the through the national commission for combating trafficking in human beings so more or less we what we have created uh, is transferred to the state and the state is now more responsible for the protection of the victim but now we have less control what is happening actually there <laughs> whether the rights of the victims are fully uh, respected whether these services are working well so we have less victims we know now less what is happening with those who are returning this podcast is brought to you by global alliance against traffic in women this is Looking Back, Looking Forward, the UN Trafficking Protocol at 20. Global Alliance Against Traffic in Women is an alliance of more than 80 non-governmental organizations from Africa, Asia, Europe, Latin America and the Caribbean, and North America. GATW sees the phenomenon of human trafficking intrinsically embedded in the context of migration for the purpose of labor. To know more about the work of GATW, visit www.gaatw.org. This is Looking Back, Looking Forward, the UN Trafficking Protocol at 20. I want to go back, Nadia, to something uh, you said a few minutes ago. Um, it seems like, um, I mean, when you were speaking about Bulgarians migrating and working abroad and um, sending money back home, it seems like in some cases it may be better for people to be exploited abroad than to be uh, jobless in Bulgaria, I guess. Um, you know, it, 
even even if they receive below minimum wage abroad, it may still be better than um, having absolutely nothing in Bulgaria. So um, what does Bulgaria need to do uh, in order to you know stop situations like this where people feel uh, pressured or desperate? for jobs and they are likely to accept exploitative conditions abroad and not complain about them and you know stay in exploitative conditions in general the, the, uh, bulgarians who travel abroad are quite tolerant to exploitation because this tolerance um, towards labor exploitation and uh, abuse of labor rights and labor labor laws was created in our country a lot of people here are working on a minimum wages contract. A lot of money is received by hand, on hand, let's say. Uh, there is a huge gray zone in the labor market in Bulgaria. Uh, employers uh, don't follow all the rules of paying uh, um, what they have to pay uh, uh, in relation to security and uh, other uh, so they then they don't fulfill their obligations uh, to the to the workers, and this is well accepted because unemployment is uh, quite serious, uh, and in some regions unemployment is quite serious, and people are are really poor, and they are ready to accept these uh, uh, unprivileged conditions in their own country. So if they go abroad. They don't feel hurt <laughs> if their rights are not uh, respected. They feel this is normal, and uh, if the situation if the situation is re getting really bad and they are exploited, they may return with the feeling that okay, something something bad has happened to me, but it's not that bad. I should uh, not inform the institutions because I will have more trouble if I inform the institutions. Uh, they don't believe in court injustice. They don't believe that uh, 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 they will be really protected. Uh, they know that uh, here corruption is very serious <laughs> and they can't find, fight this. So uh, they prefer to recover here and try their chance again with the illusion that this time they have more experience and more knowledge and uh, maybe next time it will work better for them than the first time so uh, there i think there is a huge labor exploitation of bulgarians abroad even exploitation that could be named trafficking but people are uh, tolerating okay it. with this yeah okay they, they can endure it <laughs> they can live with it. So you mentioned that there's a big uh, labor migrant community, right? And that sometimes um, people take advantage of their poverty, yeah. And um, that technically there are enough legal loopholes that sometimes these cases don't always meet the bar of trafficking, but sometimes they do. Mm -hmm. So. What do you think, you know, from your perspective, what do you think are the obligations then of the receiving countries here, right? What can they do better? Um, 
to protect these, these migrants or to meet their end of the bargain? Or in your experience, have there been any best practices, like specific policies that you think have been particularly good or specific things they are doing that have been quite bad? I think uh, uh, it's not only the receiving country. I, I think if both sides are working together, such cases can be uh, uh, rescued, let's say, uh, from, from trafficking. Because what I am hearing, it is very difficult sometimes to uh, identify victims of trafficking in the receiving country. Even inspectors are making, are checking uh, the working places. That it, it's not always possible because there is a chain of recruiters who, which are doing the trafficking, and actually the employer may not even know that this is a victim of trafficking. <laughs> and uh, if a big scandal sometimes happens, then they suddenly find out that. Uh, this is a situation of exploitation. I, 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 I think the it was this case with the Kaki slaughterhouses or meat packing. Slaughterhouses. I think this is was the case with the slaughterhouses in Germany, where there were also a lot of Bulgarians um, employed, and uh, you know this scandal was related to COVID. And if this was not this scandal. Uh, and if this was not this individual maybe approach to the different groups of people from different nationalities, they would never understand that also there was a, there were cases of trafficking and ex exploitation. Uh, so I think uh, labor inspectorates need to have very proactive uh, position in uh, looking for these cases. Because groups from different countries are uh, recruited in different ways. And maybe if you have uh, Polish people in a slaughterhouse like this that are not exploited, maybe the Romanians and the Bulgarians are exploited. Maybe not by the employer, maybe by the recruiters. <laughs> so it should be really very uh, uh, proactive and more in-depth approach and individual conversations with the with the workers to understand what is going on there. The same with sexual exploitation, um, because legislation in different countries is different. And I, I can tell you a very interesting case that we had with Switzerland, because in Switzerland, exploitation and trafficking is when the pimp is taking more than 50% of the income of the sex worker. And we had this case where the PIM took officially less than 50% of the income of the Bul of Bulgarian woman. But because we were tracing the case here and our police was investigating and from the point of view of the Bulgarian authorities, this was the case of trafficking. <laughs> because we know the PIM, we know the woman, we know how was she was recruited. And when we put together both things, we realized this pimp can't be uh, uh, taken by the police because he's working according to the rules in Switzerland. But because there were the two sides, the, the Swiss police managed to put him into the jail for other things. 
not for trafficking. And in this way, to we were able to, to bring the woman back to, to, to Bulgaria. So uh, to follow the chain of trafficking, I think all countries need to be involved. The countries of origin, the, the transit countries, and the, and the countries of, of destination. There is no other way, which is actually very difficult for all these authorities to work together <laughs> in a more operative and less complicated way, like we did in the past with one phone call. This podcast is brought to you by Global Alliance Against Traffic in Women. This is Looking Back, Looking Forward, the UN Trafficking Protocol at 20. What kind of work is accepted as work? Who is the breadwinner of a family? The remittances that women migrant workers contribute to their family and country's income are substantial. And yet, they do not have the same economic or social status as the male counterparts. Are there policies and structural changes that governments can take? Changes that recognize and protect migrant workers' rights, regardless of their gender, class, ethnicity, legal status, or occupation. Hi, I'm Namrita Daniel from the Global Alliance Against Traffic in Women. I want to invite you to another GATW podcast. It's about South Asian women's labor migration to the Middle East. It's called Migrant Rights, Migrant Realities. You can find the link to the podcast in the description of this episode. This is Looking Back, Looking Forward, the UN Trafficking Protocol at 20. Yeah, so just one final question. Um, you know, if you would have any recommendations, so to speak, or what do you see as necessary for anti-trafficking work um, from now on and in the coming years, given the pandemic and its impact, and not only. Um, mm. So in other words, does anti-trafficking work in Bulgaria or Europe or globally need to change somehow? Um, or, and in what way? I think we need better to uh, communicate in order better to know our uh, uh, the, the victims because I think they changed a lot <laughs> uh, in some ways their way of thinking uh, maybe I can give you an example of this um, we should be less biased of, of how uh, I can give you an example of how we are biased <laughs> when we are approaching uh, uh, the presumed or possible victims of trafficking in our prevention campaign. Some time ago, we created a prevention campaign uh, against uh, trafficking for labor exploitation uh, with the idea that we are targeting people with uh, um, who want to travel uh, for lo low qualified jobs, and these are people with lower education, who don't have experience, uh, who don't know languages, uh, and um, because this, they are very vulnerable. And uh, we created uh, these posters. You know, we, you have rotten fruits, and it says here, for example, uh, 
picking rotten ap apples. For picking rotten apples, you will receive 1,800 euro per month. And then we see, uh, we write here, if you see something rotten in this uh, advert, please call and this is our helpline. And uh, actually what uh, uh, we realized is that uh, people started to call our helpline for asking the job, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they were so desperate that they were ready to believe that uh, rotten fruit is something very luxury and there is the need to, to pick rotten fruits. Then we realize that people are thinking, uh, are not able to think very abstract if they're pressed by their life circumstances. And we created these posters on the next year, which they, they say that work abroad could be a threat, you know. So it's very visible. But uh, then we learned that our target group actually don't read posters <laughs> uh, and billboard, but they prefer uh, internet. So we had uh, these um, uh, banners in different websites and the visits, uh, the, the clicks on the banners were really very a lot, very intensive. The third year, we created even more uh, concrete uh, message, uh, like uh, in the, with these posters, they say, if you uh, start working abroad, try not to be hooked. But what was our biggest lesson is when we created this uh, false advert, which says we, we created a very um, a really false advert with false company, this Casper and Janssen company, which is false. And they say that one can get 130 euro per day if you pick green caviar. And in Bulgarian, to pick green caviar means that you are deceited for something. And uh, this advert was in the internet, in Facebook. We had a, a false uh, profile false, uh, of, of this Facebook profile of this Casper and Janssen company. And for our surprise, actually, more than 150 persons with uh, good language skills, with good experience in traveling abroad, actually replied to this uh, advert, which was actually a lesson for us, whom we actually who, which, who are really the, the victims of trafficking and that the victims are not these very, very vulnerable people. The, the group of victims has changed. <laughs> this could be educated people, people with experience, but desperate in their uh, try to, to find this in job and this income in their own, own countries. Today, the lady I was talking, uh, because there was a new case referred to us, was a very nice woman from uh, a town next to, to Sofia, which again was not an uneducated woman, <laughs> but she was into the trap of trafficking for seven years <laughs> because of no other ways for her to, to provide for her family. She's contacting us because her child is in Bulgaria and she wants to take her child 
in, in France with was calling from, from France. So um, if I have to recommend something, it's really to try to learn more about who are the current victims of trafficking. In our society, they have changed. Mm -hmm.